Chapter Ten of Tor, A Street Boy of Jerusalem by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick Seville. Chapter Ten In the Palace Garden. The wife of Pilate arose from her couch with a troubled and haggard look on her fair face. The maid who attended the great lady's toilet observed this with curiosity there is tumult about the gates of the palace this morning she said as she combed out the long blonde tresses with a comb of gold and ivory preparatory to weaving them into a graceful crown of braided strands the princess shrugged her fair shoulders with a slight gesture of weariness there is always tumult she said languidly ah me tis a dreary place this jerusalem i would i were once more safely at rome if my noble lady will but glance into the mirror she will behold a fairer sight than even rome can offer said the maid obsequiously and skilfully fastened a fresh brown rose so that its crimson petals rested on the white neck of her mistress but the tumult of this morning differs from that of other days honorable princess she went on eagerly diomede says that the jews have seized their prophet and are about to put him to death if indeed they are allowed what prophet girl demanded the lady a faint flush stealing into her pale cheeks every man is a prophet or a priest is it not so in this hateful jerusalem and the prophets have loud voices and they are always creating a tumult i myself have seen this man said the girl he is quite unlike the other rabbis as they call them of a gentle voice and stature majestic i bethought me of my gods in athens yet this man a jew his name his name is jesus also they call him the nazarene the princess uttered a faint exclamation pardon me i beseech thee honorable mistress if i have fastened that last plate too tightly hastily interposed the maid withdrawing a jewelled pin from its place and readjusting it with elaborate care didst thou say they were bringing the nazarene here to the palace demanded the princess turning her large dark eyes upon her servant. "'Honorable lady, the man is already here, and my lord, the governor, is attending the case without upon the seat of judgment. The Jews refuse to await the proper hour, and my lord Pilate, with his wonted indulgence, came forth to them. These barbarians have no hearts, noble lady. They are without consideration for the sleep of an illustrious Roman.' they should be scourged as slaves what will they do to him muttered the wife of pilate clenching her white hands nay my lord should have naught to do with this prophet he must dismiss the case the maid stared at her mistress in some perplexity the morning is warm and fair she said at last will it please your highness to breakfast upon the terrace the lady felicia is already playing in the garden of the inner court in the secluded spot where slaves had spread a table 
with the breakfast service of the princess the morning sun struck sparks of splendor from burnished plates in crystal gem-rimmed goblets flowers of every delicate color and odor violets from gethsemane lilies from the deep vale of kidron roses from the nearer gardens of the palace heaped a golden bowl in the center while around it glowed the richer hues of fruit brought from distant parts of the country and flagons of delicate wine cooling in beds of snow fetched from the crown of lebanon for this spoiled daughter of rome the lady cast a dissatisfied glance about the garden where is felicia she asked sharply she was here but a moment ago noble lady replied the maid who had followed her mistress with a fan of peacock feathers and an armful of embroidered pillows i will call ona but neither ona nor the child were anywhere to be found and after a little the princess began her repast with frowning brows there is too much noise about the palace she observed in a displeased tone as she tasted a silver fig smothered in wine and spices the servants glanced at one another with lifted brows it cannot be helped honorable mistress ventured one of them a young greek lad beautiful as a creation of praxiteles in his short tunic embroidered with blue all the loud-mouthed jews of the city it would seem headed by their priests are surrounding the judgment seat before the palace the guard would not have admitted them but my lord the governor ordered it he could not do otherwise said the lady with a slight curl of her haughty lip but what is it that they are saying over and again tis a horrid sound like the cry of wolves hungering after their prey again the servants exchanged half-frightened glances and again the beautiful young greek answered his lady tis a custom in this jerusalem for the governor to release a prisoner at feast time he said in a low voice perchance the people are demanding this pledge from the illustrious pilot the lady's face cleared ah it is so she cried i remember how it befell last year my lord will release to them the nazarene who was called jesus is it not so diomede the greek hesitated and in the moment of silence the child felicia closely followed by her nurse rushed into the garden her golden hair was disordered and her blue eyes reddened with angry tears they shall not scourge the boy she cried stamping her small foot i have said it but that stupid wicked marcus declares that he will do it wilt thou not send for him mother and cause him to be punished for disobeying me the princess turned her eyes severely upon ona where hath the child been and what is all this about marcus what has happened ona trembled under the cold looks of her mistress tis the beggar boy again she faltered he was beating upon the door of the outer court like a mad thing and demanding speech with your highness but of course marcus marcus is a beast an animal again interrupted felicia passionately listen to me princess i can explain everything far better than this stupid ona 
Dost thou not remember the beggar lad whose eyes were restored by a king named Jesus? I brought him to this very spot two, three days ago. The boy amused me with his story, but Ona thrust him forth because— I remember, said the wife of Pilate, with a strange look. What then? The mob wished to kill his master, the king, and the lad came hither to beg his life. Marcus was about to scourge him and thrust him forth, but I forbade it. I say, he shall not harm the boy. Do thou command it also, my mother, and quickly, for Marcus will not obey me. Fetch the lad to me, Diomede, ordered the lady briefly. The young Greek obeyed, and presently returned to the presence of his mistress, followed by the irate porter, his big hand buried in the rough curls of the beggar's head. Tor presented a pitiable appearance, his pallid face streaked with tears and dust, his great eyes wide with fear and horror. At the sight of the princess, the child fell sobbing to his knees and lifted his lean arms in an agony of petition. "'My master, my master!' he wailed, and again, "'My master, oh, my master!' The wife of Pilate signed to Marcus to release the boy. Then she ordered Diomede to give him wine. Tor obediently swallowed from the cup which was held to his lips, but not once did he remove his beseeching eyes from the beautiful haughty face of the princess. "'Thou canst save him,' he whispered. The lady shook her head. "'I fear that I cannot,' she said. Then, to the astonishment of every one present, she laid her delicate hand on the beggar's rough head. "'Tell me why thou dost love this man, this Nazarene,' she asked softly. "'Nay, do not weep and tremble so, child. I will do all that I can to save him.' Tor choked back his tears, and gazed steadfastly into the exquisite, troubled face which leaned toward him. "'I love him.' because he loves me he faltered he opened my eyes he is good he is the king my master i love him why did the jews hate him so murmured the lady in my dream i saw him as one altogether lovely enthroned high above all the gods of rome and greece then i saw she broke off with a shudder the wild tumult of voices in the square without had risen into an awful, instant irritation of one terrible phrase. "'What do they say now?' she demanded, with slowly whitening face, turning to Diomede, who watched the scene with a satirical curl of his handsome lips. "'They are demanding the crucifixion of some criminal, your noble highness,' replied the Greek, smirking, courtier-like. "'But why trouble thyself, dear princess?' over the doings of the wild ramble the man jesus is no more than a jewish peasant a carpenter they say what can such a one be to the fairest princess in go see what is passing without ordered the lady with a look which froze the insolent smile on the lips of the greek go and return quickly the greek reappeared almost immediately with a white scared face the scene without beggar's description, noble lady, he began hurriedly, answering the command in the eyes of his mistress. 
The whole city is at the doors demanding the crucifixion of the Nazarene. The most noble Pilate believes him innocent of any crime, and would save him if possible, but hear the mob. It was impossible to hear anything else. Those awful beastly cries penetrated the ears of the very slaves, so that they cowered and trembled. My tablets, Mia, whispered the wife of Pilate. With shaking fingers she wrote a few words upon the wax. Take this, she said, turning to the Greek, and give it into the hand of Pilate himself, no other. Go quickly. The Greek drew back in manifest terror. What, art thou afraid? sneered the princess. Hold, I will go myself. Perhaps I can save him so. She arose and was descending the steps of the terrace, when the child Felicia flung herself at her mother's knees with a scream of terror. Do not go out into that dreadful place, mother, begged the child. They are horrible, those Jews. Stay with me. The princess paused, hesitated, and finally yielded the tablets into the outstretched hand of Diomed. Go quickly, she urged. End of chapter 10